Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Hello out there. This is MotorWeek's 43rd podcast, and I'm obviously not John Davis. Our uh, El Capitan is not with us today, but uh, we'll do our best to uh, fill in. With me this week is Word Wrangler Shami Choksi. Hey, hey, Brian. And our FYI reporter, Yolanda Vasquez. Thank you. I don't get Word Wrangler. I got to come up with something pretty good, huh? No, <laughs> you have to be an actual professional writer to uh, come up with that. <laughs> that not I'm a, not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> professional Wrangler. Oh, and okay. I'm, of course, a road test producer and uh, occasional uh, podcast host, Brian Robinson. So this week, it looks like we'll be talking about the Paris Auto Show. Uh, recently happened, uh, as well as the Kia Sportage uh, mini crossover we've uh, recently tested, and a look at the Colorado Department of Transportation and uh, what they're doing out there. Pretty cool things, yep. All right. Well, you'll just have to wait a minute before we talk about that. <laughs> First of all, we're going to go to Shemit, who just got back from uh, Paris. Yes. And yes. attended the uh, Les Montes Show. <laughs> so, uh, tell How did us you get that assignment? First of all, like well, I don't even remember it being discussed in the office. I think yeah. he put in for it like way before. A long he, time yeah, ago. Yeah. I wanted okay. to go to Paris for a while. And I, I mean, these these auto shows, some of them are really cool and exotic. I, I've been to frankfurt and this is the other one that i've had a chance to go to but ryan you've been to some really cool ones tokyo yeah. right i've been all over the world blah blah right. blah but one thing <laughs> trying I, to divert here one thing i remember about the paris the couple of times i was there is the auto show was basically one big smoking section is that, is that, uh, is that still the same you know what uh uh, yes, a little bit. You know, the press room was yeah, one big smoking like section with a knife to get through. Yeah, right. there was some of that. Really? But I think um, I think the non-smoking culture is even moving into uh, into France. That's into a shame. Europe. So yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> it wasn't as bad as uh, okay. one would think. Seriously, uh, what, what did you see at the? Uh, at the uh, show? I saw a ton of stuff. Um, God, uh, let's start with Mercedes. I mean, they were uh, there's there's so much to talk about. But I mean, basically, this is what blew me away about the shows. They're, they're there were a ton of concepts and electrics, electric concepts, more than like production cars. There are a few production cars that are relevant to the U.S. market, and I'll mention them. But, um, man, there were like all these insane-looking vehicles there that were, for the most part, electric, and they were coming from all over, Kia, Nissan, and then Jaguar had theirs, and Audi. You know, there was electric exotics and exotic electrics, if that makes right, sense. The future yeah. of electric cars is definitely here. Totally. Definitely right. totally. But with these concept cars, I mean, are they viable? I mean, I understand concept cars, but I mean, are they just like, wow, kind of feast for the eyes, or were they something that could actually be made into you know, production? I mean, I'd like to think that they are, you know, some are just further away from, you know, they never end up... At, in production as they are as a right. concept, but right, right. in some iteration they do, mm-hmm. uh, in most cases or many cases. Um, some of them, like this Kia Pop that you look at, you'd be like, you got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? This thing looks like it's like oblong and triangle, at, triangular at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can't even picture that. You wow. know what I mean? It's just crazy oblong looking. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm getting it's, my geometry going here. It's really <laughs> wild. Um, Renault had a really cool thing called the Desir. That was their um, sort of supercar electric with scissors doors and it was just a total head turner um 
Uh, let me start with Mercedes. Mercedes, now, in terms of the, for the U.S. market, they launched the CLS class, uh, which is going to be coming here next summer. So that's the one of the big things that are that's coming to the U.S. that uh, was relevant to us. Um, also relevant to us um, here in, in stateside would be the BMW X3. Um, are they changing the design on that? What are they doing with that? Yeah, it's a little, uh, it's a little uh, larger but lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's the second generation X3. Okay. Uh, the F- Ford's coming out with a new Focus. It's called the ST, the Ford Focus ST. It's like a, oh, are I, we going to actually get that here? I believe we are getting wow. that here next oh, year. Um, something called, uh, okay, so the Porsche has a 911 Speedster. Mm. Uh, very cool um, open top. They're only making 356. Only 100 of them are coming to the U.S., but hey, yeah, 100 lucky guys. Right. Like, mm-hmm. lucky hey, people hey, get lucky, lucky people. Lucky, Thank you for changing people. the words there. Uh, and uh, what else? Anything else for the U.S.? God. Yeah, was, obviously, the European oh. brands make a big they, splash. They do. I, I don't want to leave out Land Rover. Land Rover has the Evoque uh, that's coming uh, here based uh-huh. on the LRX. Uh, that was the production version of it? The Evoque is uh, the production uh, version uh, of the LRX concept. Um, the smallest Land Rover, uh, it'll be the, the smallest Land Rover uh, offering. Also, the first front drive offering. Because well, the previous front, uh, or the previous small Land Rovers always did so well, right? Like the Freelander <laughs> and, and right. all those. Yeah. Well, this is sort of the Freelander replacement, you know what right. I mean? Okay. But um, Front drive, so it's like a crossover more so? It, I haven't seen uh, it. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, uh, I, I heard people say, wow, without the badge, I wouldn't even know that's a Land Rover. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So check it out. Check out, you know, obviously. wonder what they thought it was if they didn't think it was a Land yeah. Rover. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure you get a few varying opinions. Um, and then, of course, the the uh, Italian Stallions made their um, showing. The, the Lamborghini, of course, came with the Sesto. Uh, mm. Ferrari came with the S.A. Aperta. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Maserati came with the Gran Turismo MC Stradale. That's how very you nice, say it. Very nice. um, all three of those cars are just uh, insane. Yeah, insane, and you know they were just showstoppers. They were in the limelight. Everybody was. It looked like it looked like uh, like red carpet. You know, and it's yeah. impossible to get shots of them because there's always like 600 people. Like that's true. Trying to get their picture now, taken. I, did, in front I was of it. able to get shots, but I really had to fight through, and yeah. I had to wait till the crowds died down a little bit and such. But uh, I found that as the day goes on, you know, every, the first couple hours at the press conferences, everyone's kind of nice and yeah. oh no, no, you go ahead after you. Right. But then, like at the end of the day, everyone's just like pushing oh, each other and trying yeah, to get a shot. They're it's, they're totally frustrated with each other, yeah. and nobody wants to. Nobody, <laughs> everybody just wants to go back to their hotel. But no. It was it was cool, and actually, the, all three of those we we shot, and you'll see them on the Motor News segment that we'll be airing here uh, shortly. So check your local listings. Yeah, check your local listings. So that's it. Paris was awesome. Um, and did you please, get to go do anything fun? Anything Parisian? Uh, I walked around a, a little bit, a little bit. You Eiffel know, Tower I saw the Tower from a distance, but there was some weird. Um, Terror, terror activity going right, right, on right. when I was there. Yeah, I oh, no. So they had shut down that. Um, oh, yeah. They had shut down the Eiffel Tower. So, you know, it, it was fine though. I, I felt the the air and the, the the power that Paris is. It was a beautiful place. Uh-huh. And yeah. I just really enjoyed it. Mm. Enjoyed the vehicles too. All right. Well, speaking of air and power, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the Kia Sportage. <laughs> Good segue there. Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> recently uh, we had a Kia Sportage in and. Uh, I think this is probably the biggest growing market right now is the small crossover, and uh, if not the biggest, one of the biggest, certainly. Uh, a lot of new cars out there, new Mitsubishi Outlander Sport, Nissan Juke, right. of course, Jeep Compass, Volkswagen Tiguan, 
Hyundai Tucson. A lot small crossovers. Everyone wants the uh, you know uh, utility of the uh, crossovers, but right. wants a little better gas mileage. Right. Did you drive the? I drove Toyota? it. I drove it. Um, I think first of all, it looks. It's a really nice looking car. I mean, you know, you're like, man, Kia made this. Very Kia's similar up, to the uh, Sorento. Is it okay? Just yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit scaled down. Yeah. Similar uh, front end. Still has a, like a sort of a sculpted feel to yeah. it. Um, I think it's pretty roomy from the inside too, in terms of for utility purposes. Yeah. Um, I think my only contention with it was, uh, you know, I felt that it felt underpowered. Yeah, definitely. Very what was the uh, fuel economy, though? I imagine probably highways. Uh, you probably know, close off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you, yeah, but I, yeah, I think it was. Everyone close else to seems to be that seems to be like the golden number. Everyone wants to get highway numbers up to up to thirty. I think the I didn't spend a whole lot of time in it, but I remember the interior. Uh, all the Hyundai's and Kias, all the Korean cars, they've been batting a thousand really lately with yeah. all their products, and the interior was extremely nice right. for the price point, which. You know, in that regard, the prices I think are sneaking up a little bit. Right. I mean, this thing. What's I the think, price point? I think it starts at eighteen and tops out probably at twenty five. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, mid twenty, mid to maybe maybe even creeps into the high twenties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you think of the other cars that you can get for that price, do you think it'll compete in that class? I mean, think it'll do pretty well. Well, I mean, this is still it's still a Kia, so it's still I mean, for as far as I'm concerned, it's still going for value here. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it's Kia and, and Hyundai are still. Um, the value leaders, and I, I think from a price point standpoint, you're not going to find anything lower than 18 that is going to be able to compete with this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be kind of where all they're they're all starting right around 18. Right. I know the Juke is certainly probably the uh, probably the best handling one that we've had in so right. far right. in that class. But uh, this the Kia Sportage certainly uh, not as good a handler, but it is surprise almost midsize roomy. Yeah, you know it's almost. Uh, just because price, it's being compared to these others, but it's almost a CRV Rav Four sized. Yeah, and know. it has a decent ride. Like you said, handling it suffers a little bit, power it suffers a little bit, but uh, ride wise, it's kind of it's comfortable. You know, I, I didn't have any issues with it. Um, it's smooth. A little little bit of body roll, but would you buy one? You know, I'm really starting to like the Kia and Hyundai. I mean, the Koreans are really knocking it out the ballpark with their vehicles. I did not, unfortunately, get a chance to test this particular vehicle. I must have been traveling or something. Um, but I did get to see it uh, out in the parking lot, and it looked pretty stylish. I mean, I like—I mean, as stylish goes for one of these kind of vehicles. It mm-hmm. looked fine by me. I would have loved to have had the opportunity to kind of ride it and see what it's all about. Yeah. All right, let's uh, switch gears a bit and head out to Colorado. Recently, uh, Yoli, you, you were out there um, working with the Department of Transportation, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I was. The Colorado Department of Transportation, they are doing some really cool things, a concerted effort to use a lot of real-time traffic conditions, the latest technology. Um, they're really trying to inform their travelers of what's going on, not just from a metropolitan perspective, not just Denver, not just Boulder. I mean, they're really trying to do it from a statewide perspective, which is really cool. Um, they call it ITS, Intelligent Transportation System. Systems, sort of just a fancy name for all the technology that they're using. But we like fancy names. Yeah, yeah like fancy it's names good. sound good. Doesn't tell you doesn't tell you what you're really talking about. But their motto is. We say that an informed traveler is a happy traveler. And they have over 9,000 highway miles and about a little bit more than 20 major interstates that they're monitoring. And it's this 
Colorado Traffic Management Center. They've got 400 cameras set up throughout the state, similar wow. to what you see in other states, but they're really doing their due diligence to make sure that they're letting their travelers know about everything that's happening at a moment's notice. For example, you know here in our area we have those LED boards, and you probably see them all around the country with the message boards that go up, traffic delay, 20 minutes, traffic accidents. Right. Report aggressive driving. Right, right, all that good stuff. Um, well, we got to see how all that happens, and it's a number of ways, interestingly enough. You have some of the state police that are calling into the Colorado Traffic Management Center. You have actual drivers who report incidences, and the minute they get the information, they pass it out. Another thing that they have is, um, and all of this is done through fiber optic technology, which is dug four feet underground, and all of that's going on behind the scenes that you don't even uh, know about. But the other thing they do is they have these 511, where you can call 511 from your phone and get an update of the latest road conditions, huh. traffic conditions, lane closures, seasonal closures, everything. Are you allowed to dial that while you're driving? Um, I don't know if Colorado has. I know here in Maryland we can't be doing that. That needs to be a hands-free system. But actually, that 511 system is something that's a federal program. So there are a number of states like San, uh, California, well, San Francisco is the city, but there are a number of other states huh. that use this 511. I think I was looking online. Minnesota has it. Actually, here in Maryland we have 511 we can call. So they also give wireless alerts. So if you go online, they have a website called called cotrip.org. And if you go online and you type in your email address, they will, and you say, listen, I really want to know about traffic around such and such area. They will send you a wireless alert. So they'll send you a text message wow. if there's an accident, or they will send you an email if there's an accident in your area to let you know that there's going to be a delay. The other thing they have, which was really cool, I don't think this is something that a lot of other states have, is they have these kiosks. So they would have a huge 37-inch screen or something, really a TV screen, that would have all of the traffic um, generating on it. So, and these kiosks are set up at um, uh, travel stops along the highway for truck drivers. They had them set up at information centers around the highway, and it lists the latest traffic information right there. So, if you pulled into one of these traffic stops, you, these little, you know, off the highway things, you can find out the latest information from them. Is it telling you things that are happening happening even 50, 60 miles down the road, or is it just? Uh, it's or? telling you things. It's not so much in advance as it is. It is happening, or it just happened. Okay. Yeah. Yes, but yes. even if it's that far out, sorry. Yeah, they, well, with a traffic camera, I'm sure they could be able to pull something up and say, hey, look, we noticed that there's a backup here. And remember, with Colorado, it's very recreational-based. Right. So these are folks who love to be hiking, biking, going up to the ski areas. Right. So that's the other thing that they're doing that you don't see elsewhere is they're doing all these estimated travel times. Right. So they're trying to let you know that if you're in the city of Denver and you want to get up to some place there vale, to Vail, for, for right. instance, you know, there's going to be, it's going to take you double the time. Right. Apparently, that's a huge thing in Colorado. Traffic is insane. Everybody wants to go to the ski areas right. Friday after work, and everybody wants to come back Sunday Very night. Very limited options as far as roads to get there. Right. Right. Very limited options. So but when you say it's real-time information, like how close to real-time is it? They have streaming I mean, video on their websites, literally of, of certain areas. You can click on something, and you can watch the, the, the cars as they pass by, as it's act, as actually passing by. I was sitting uh, in and the Buick Regal, we had that in recently, I don't right. know if you remember. And I was sitting on the Beltway in traffic for like 10 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there, and finally this lady comes on over the radio. She's like, uh, traffic ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, duh. Yeah, great. So yeah. hopefully it works a little better than that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty cool stuff to be able You know, you, 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 you experience it, and it's enough to make your blood boil when you're out there. You know, we all go through traffic no matter where we live in this country. But uh, to know that they're really doing their due diligence to try to get that information out. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool to kind of see the behind-the-scenes efforts, so to speak. Yeah, more, uh, you know, a whole statewide. That's pretty interesting. Should be yeah. a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty Look good stuff. The guys were pretty cool out there, so... 
All right, moving right along. Time for our lightning round uh, question. Uh, this week's question is, uh, this is a long one, so uh, bear with me. <laughs> the government recently released the results of the first model year 2011 vehicles tested under the new enhanced five-star safety rating system. Vehicles are now evaluated for side pole crash testing and crash prevention technologies. Only two 2011 cars, the BMW 5 Series four-door and rear-wheel drive model, and the Hyundai Sonata received five stars. Was more rigorous testing needed, and what impact will the new rating systems have on car sales? So after all that, the testing has gotten harder, and will that help cars, and will it help sales? Well, think? less important than sales, I mean, are the drivers and occupants. I mean, if it helps, you know, reduce injuries and, and save lives, then, the, I mean, I'm a big sale, I'm a big safety advocate. So uh, I think this is a good thing. Now, I know it threw some people for a loop because, from what I understand, Toyota Camry got three stars. It kind of blew people away, you know what I mean? And well, I think what happens is these cars, you know, people say— uh, you know, you want to survive a crash, tell me what kind of crash you're going to have, and we'll design the car that you can withstand that crash. So, you know, it's a guessing game for them until they come up with these specific tests. Right. And then the manufacturers design cars to pass these specific tests, right. which may or may not reflect an actual accident. Right. So, yeah, I mean, they changed the test, and not everyone was had studied hard enough, basically. I mean, well, it's, and it's not just that. It's not just about how how much a car can withstand a collision. Now they're looking at crash avoidance, like how how what does a car have that you know the Volvos, for instance, or Mercedes cars, they have the technologies aboard now that will help avoid an actual accident, which in the end is more as important as withstand you know having structural integrity. There are a number of things I want to point out about the test, but let's just take it from a consumer perspective. From you know, I think that a lot of people, women in particular, really pay close attention to this kind of data. We're looking at the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. We're looking at NHTSA ratings. We really want to know. But truth be told, and I've covered these kinds of stories before, I really had to dig deep and look at look at the specific tests that they were doing, the crash data. I mean, look, new tests, better crash data, win-win for consumers and car manufacturers all the way around. But the thing that I, that I found was, I don't know if anyone's really going to say, how does this vehicle safety rating system really, really differ? And they've kind of outlined it, three main areas, from the past one. I think the most consumers are going to go, is it a four or a five? Correct. I, you, you see Correct. what I'm saying? I think that they're looking at the higher number, and I don't know if it's really going to matter that, that it's more rigorous testing for them. Um, it, it's better for all of us in the right, end. Right. The other things to point out is this is the first time that NHTSA is going to use female crash dummies huh. um, instead of just men dummies. So that this is very good. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah a, a, amen to that. <laughs> Simulate the crash scenarios. So that's something that's that's very important because obviously our body structure is very different. Um, the, with the new testing, not all previously rated five star vehicles will remain five stars, as right. we've seen in right. this because Toyota. Yeah, that's right. the thing. I mean, everything was basically a five star. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, it really it makes it more. Right. It makes it more difficult. So they it get is. to the point where they kind of have to raise the bar and say, okay, now that test is harder. Not everyone's going to automatically pass. Right. Well, you expected everybody to be five star. Then it's, there, what's the point? You right. know what I mean? If, if everybody's on on par. Yeah, right. you can't be a manufacturer and expect to sell any cars if you're going to put out something that's not five stars. Right. Yeah. Okay, I think that wow. would be the bell. Thanks, yeah, Michelle. I was about out of stuff to talk about anyway. <laughs> <laughs> good, good timing overall. Okay, now, time for our viewer question. And uh, once again, a reminder, if you do send us a question and we uh, read it here, you will get a Motor Week t-shirt. 
and uh, it is awesome. Trust me on that. And it looks like we got another <laughs> uh, we got another long one here. So uh, bear with me once again. So wait, who's it from? Uh, this is from Bill in Delaware. Oh, thank you for asking, uh, Mister Safety. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, congratulations on your thirtieth anniversary at Motor Week. I've been with you all the way. Well, appreciate that, Bill. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you, Bill. Yeah. My question. My wife has a 1994 Toyota Corolla LX with driver and passenger front airbags. There's a sticker on the driver's door jam that says, SRS airbags need to be inspected every 10 years. The Toyota dealer said they don't have any idea what to do. Can you help? By the way, the car has only 68,000 miles. Well, it's a kind of a long drive from Delaware over here to see us, Bill, so I'm not sure we can help. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, what do you think? Were you guys uh, familiar uh, with the... I mean, I've never seen that. Have you seen that tag before? No, have you seen that label? No, I have not. Thing. And I think I, I asked around uh, to some mechanic guys, and they were always kind of like, yeah, it's inspecting the airbags is kind of like inspecting the trunk. I mean, if it's there and... You can't see anything used. wrong with it, then there's nothing you can do. But. I mean, that might have been, like, back in 94. Maybe it was just part of the guidelines of, of what they had to put on there. Right. I mean, but it is a legitimate concern. I mean, you're looking at this and you're going, okay, well, it's been more than 10 years. I mean, I want to make sure that this thing does still work. Correct, well, but I don't know if there's something you can plug into them that, that can you know, do, like, a safety system check. But uh, did you? Uh, I was just about to say, did you... Uh, I was almost about to start talking to Bill, but obviously he's not going <laughs> to He answer. is listening, I, I guarantee uh, it, so Bill, feel free. Um, maybe you should call the manufacturer directly rather than, um, the, dealership. Rather than the dealership. You know, I mean, It's kind of odd that the dealer would be like, well, sorry, you know. Yeah, yeah, but from a manufacturer's standpoint, there might be a little bit more of a liability issue. Correct, so, yeah, they, yeah. They might, so if, if there's a mal- know, malfunction of the airbags 10 right. years after the date, they're like, right. hey, you know, we put that, a sticker on there. That's exactly on, right. Uh, yeah. No, so. that's, that's actually not a bad idea. I've never heard of anything like that either. And I would imagine, since Bill didn't put it in there, the car hasn't been any, quote, accidents to the point where the airbags have deployed to test anything out. So. Right. And we suggest you don't try and test it yourself. Right. Though. Yes, please. There, there's been stories of, uh, you know, getting 20-year-old cars out of junkyards that have been sitting there and, you know, firing off the airbags, and they work. I mean, oh, I'm I sure. think they're pretty— Yeah, yeah. There's certainly no maintenance you can do. And, so you know, death taxes airbags. Is that the reliability test? I'm death not taxes sure. And Anything airbags. with safety, I'm up for. I know that. <laughs> so congratulations. So, Bill, I'm, we probably didn't help you at all there, but— uh, Well, call the manufacturer, Bill. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, there's a number in your owner's manual. Say, hey, I got the sticker. Dealer's not helping and me I'll out. I'll tell you one other thing, Let's just uh, since we have Bill on the phone. Uh, and, uh, call NHTSA, NHTSA— uh, uh, that might be a, a good place to start. At least start at their website, email them, and, and uh, they may have some suggestions because they are the safety yeah. experts. And I certainly wouldn't worry about, you know, driving around. No. I'm right sure now, yeah, yeah, thank right. you. I'm sure your airbags will the function point. properly yeah. at and, this point. And Maybe. if I can put in one last recommendation. Please just do. Just, Please um, do. just keep a record of the people you spoke to, either at the manufacturer or NHTSA, us. just so that you have us. us. Yes, <laughs> yes, all three of us. Uh, yeah, that's going to help you a lot. Um, just to make sure that you say you did speak with so-and-so and you, and you did your due diligence to check in on it. So I think that's also helpful. Right on. Well, it looks like we uh, made it through that, or uh, for the most part, anyway. Mm-hmm. We're still breathing. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to thank our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and our most excellent producer, Michelle Parker. Yay! Thanks for tuning in, and uh, keep watching Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. 
For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motorweek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.